what is genocidal propaganda? In this episode of our Propaganda Diary, we look at the genocidal rhetoric of Russian propaganda. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. Before starting the full-scale war, Russian politicians and media figures systematically spread the message that Ukraine does not exist and is an artificial state which should be eliminated. During the war, the propaganda turned into genuine genocidal rhetoric with calls to use nuclear weapons against Ukraine and to kill up to 2 million Ukrainians. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and chief editor of Ukraine World. In this episode, I speak to Ukraine World analysts Alena Hryshko and Anastasia Heresimchuk. Explaining Ukraine is a podcast by ukraineworld.org, a website in English about Ukraine, brought to you by Internews Ukraine. You can support us on patreon.com slash ukraineworld. You can also support our humanitarian trips to the frontline areas at paypal, ukraine.resistinggmail.com. Hello everyone, this is a podcast explaining Ukraine and our serious propaganda diary. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, I'm chief editor of Ukraine World and I'm very happy to talk as usual to my two colleagues, brilliant colleagues, Anastasia Harisimchuk and Alena Hryshko. Uh, good afternoon, Nastya and Alena. Good afternoon, Volody, thank you. Good afternoon, Volody. Thanks for inviting. And uh, today we decided to talk about the genocidal rhetoric. So... Something that is Russian propaganda is very, very rich in. By genocidal rhetoric, we understand this idea that Ukraine should be wiped off the land, uh, the earth, that Ukrainian language doesn't really exist, that Ukrainian culture doesn't really exist. So we'll try to analyze this in this uh, episode. Nastya, let's start with you. What is genocidal rhetoric in your opinion? When we talk about genocidal rhetoric, the first thing that occurs to us is something so violent. The rhetoric that um, calls on killing, extermination of nations, states, etc. But the interesting thing here is that genocidal rhetoric is not only direct call on extermination, killing, or committing war crimes. Genocidal rhetoric is also creating informational background for real gen genocide, as it is. So, um, according to one of the most prominent uh, historians uh, of our time, Timothy Snyder, there are several features that can help us understand that things we hear from Russian propaganda uh, are mm, calling on genocidal genocide or have genocidal intentions. Uh, for example, uh, when propaganda presents its victim, in this case we are talking about Ukraine, Ukrainian people, or sometimes even Western countries. So when propaganda presents them as sub-states, inferior states, it's already informational background for genocide. When they deny existence of certain nation, when they deny existence of certain country, it's also one of the comp components. Another important part is dehumanization. When propaganda tells that Ukrainians are subhumans, or when they say that Ukrainians are monsters, it is also a certain kind of preparation of their population for killing, for committing war crimes, for 
violence actions. And of course, conviction that you can take someone's territory. It's also a genocidal intention. So when Russians say that we are taking back our territory, uh, when in fact it's not their territory, it's also genocidal rhetoric. And by the way, the very important fact is that not only the acts of genocide uh, are to be punished by international law, the very calls on genocide are also um, should also be punished. And if we talk about international documents, uh, this convention, I will not say the full name, but uh, the Geneva Convention on Genocide, it's article number three, tells that um, this act as public incitement to commit genocide shall be punishable. Right, I think this is very important Then we link and the what people say and what is happening on the ground, what is happening on the battlefield. Uh, let me address Alona right now and ask about changes, about history, about what, what is changing in this, in this rhetoric. Has it appeared uh, this year? Has it appeared in 2022? Has it appeared in 2014? Has it appeared earlier? What do you say? Uh, Volodya, the fact is that for many decades Russians have been living in the conviction, like we will defeat the last enemy and we will finally live happily. Um, or as an option, uh, who else would you win in order to live happily finally? And the whole problem of Russia is, and the whole tragedy of the countries who are neighbor uh, to the Russian Federation uh, is that uh, uh, Russian propaganda makes them look for an answer for this question, this main question for Russian existence. And um, nobody knows uh, the response on that because... Uh, rhetoric regarding the genocide rhetoric which occurred in Russia, um, it was already presented in 2014-2015, uh, but this was most in the context that Ukraine is a Nazi state. And uh, um, these um, representatives from so-called Nazi regime, Kiev regime, uh, they all... Uh, um, attack uh, people of Donbass and Russia have to be those who are going to uh, save that people. And of course, uh, it was um, from time to time as closer to the full-scale invasion, this uh, rhetoric has become even more aggressive. But even at the beginning of the war, there was a distinction between people and state because at the beginning of the war, we are not fighting with the Ukrainian. Uh, we are saving them. And this is like their uh, understanding that it's necessary uh, to depict Russia as a big country who try to save others' lives. So they are uh, winners, they are protectors, they come to uh, help Ukrainians to save their future. And... Um, Mm, further, this distinction was uh, gradually disappearing, like uh, Kyiv regime transformed Ukraine into totalitarian hypersect and made its citizens to abandon the values of the orthodox religious Islam and Judaism. This was the uh, citation of uh, Assistant Secretary of the Security Council of the Russian Federation, Alexei Pavlov. Uh, it was, he said that, in October 2022. So, um, as we can see, Russian propaganda rhetoric has been definitely changed and become even more aggressive, which uh, lead to explanation to Russians, first of all, why they uh, uh, try, uh, why they invaded Ukrainians. They are not going to uh, help uh, Ukrainians to save them, to save their lives. They are going to um, 
help them to win the so-called Nazi regime of Kyiv. And uh, the conquering of Ukraine is the only way to save Ukraine, how it paradoxically can sound like. Yes, and uh, we also enter, this is of course a Poland when, uh, a polling, when um, a Russian official, Mr. Pavlov, is saying that Kyiv regime is a totalitarian hypersex. Well, this is also this mirroring that we discussed in the previous episode, when uh, a democracy is called a totalitarian hypersect, and therefore the fight against this democracy is actually um, presented by Russian propaganda as the fight against totalitarianism. But there is an, another quote which, uh, which you found, a quote of one of the most notorious propagandist, Russian propagandist Vladimir Solovyov, whom we monitor, of course, very closely. Um, and it actually... There was many hints that Russians are going to use the nuclear weapon against Ukraine. So what he said? I don't uh, know. Oh, uh, in this way, he said, to be honest, too much different things. And every time, like, we were uh, trying to compare what he said uh, before the annexation of Crimea. And this was like, uh, wow, if we are going to... Um, conquer Ukraine, this would be a crazy thing that we do in our life. But right now we see how he was proud when uh, there's still Russia um, invaded Crimea. And now uh, in 2022, November, we find that like um, the logic is simple. If we have a weapon that can bring an absolute victory, it's strange not to use it. Why did we make it then? This is what Solovyov said uh, on his uh, program. And I think this is one of the examples how the rhetoric has been changed. And this is... Yeah, so instead of, instead of just removing one little hypersect or a bunch of Nazis, maybe several thousands or whatever, what they were saying one year ago... In November 2022, and we remember that this is the time when Russians have already lost Kherson or maybe were, uh, were afraid of losing it, there was this idea that if we have a weapon that can bring an absolute victory, this is a quote, it's of course the reference to the nuclear weapons, it is strange not to use it. This is the um, uh, what these propagandists like Solovyov are saying quite regularly. Nasta, let's address to you, uh, you analyzed uh, again this notorious speech by Mr. Putin um, just um, before the invasion, this article about Ukrainian history, and uh, this is the theoretical basis for the father genocidal rhetoric. We can understand it in this way, can't we? Of course, yes. What's interesting about uh, the addresses of such high-ranking officials as the whole state of the, uh, the whole head of the state, of course, he cannot use the direct calls on killing, on committing war crimes. Uh, but what Mr. Putin does, in fact, is a let's call it subtle, de uh, subtle dehumanization, subtle uh, genocidal rhetoric. Uh, because he creates this background uh, for his um, mouthpieces to develop and to be more violent in their rhetoric. Uh, but they use this background created by their leader. And uh, his notorious article where he uh, reinvented history, 
like it's real reinvention of history because he used these historical facts and manipulated them uh, in the most unexpected and uh, surprising ways. Uh, so he started erasing this Ukrainian identity from the minds of uh, Russians and he put it into a certain, um, not legal but formal framework because his article, his letter is something that can be considered to be official position of Russian state. So what, what did he say? Uh, he said that um, he was trying to... Uh, erase these words uh, as Ukrainian from the minds of Russians. He said literally that the word Ukrainian, according to archival documents, initially meant border officers who provided security of external borders. So he, he told that Ukrainian is actually not the name of a representative of certain nation. It's just the name of a border officer. And accidentally, a certain nation uh, started being called like Ukrainians. Uh, he also, uh, all the time, he called Ukrainians like little Russians. And um, he also told that um, there cannot be historical base uh, for existence of such state as Ukraine. So these were the main lines of his, uh, of his article. And also in his notorious address, when he recognized the independence of so-called uh, Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics, he uh, refused, he rejected the right of Ukrainians to be a separate state. He told that Ukraine is not just a neighboring country for Russia, it's an integral part of our own history, culture, and spiritual space. That also makes Russians think that there is no such thing as Ukraine, it's our common space. And he also invented this uh, story about the creation of Ukraine, which was entirely created by Russia, more precisely Bolshevik or communist Russia. These are already, these, this is already this background that let propagandists, so-called experts and journalists be more creative in uh, inventing other stories. And, to, uh, and by the way, in his current address on 21st of February, uh, to his, the representatives of the parliament. He also repeated his narratives he used back then. Yeah, so you're absolutely right to point out that this is a, a basis for further propaganda. It's formulated in the way that Ukraine does not exist and therefore it can be invaded because it doesn't exist. It's all Russia. And uh, we know that this is a major point of any propaganda, either to say that your enemy does not exist or to say that your enemy does not have a moral right to exist. And then the guys who continue this message, but in a more brutal way, one of these roles is played by former Russian president, who is Dmitry Medvedev, and he's notorious for his actually very, very brutal rhetoric. So, Alona, maybe you can uh, give some quotes of Dmitry Medvedev, how he used genocidal rhetorics against uh, Ukrainians. Yeah, Volodya, we, I think everybody knows a huge amount of examples what Medvedev said, because his favorite um, style is like accusation and dehumanization. And in this way, uh, he's right now the deputy chairman of the Security Council of the Russian Federation, and he uses his telegram uh, for... Um, 
different kind of uh, statements that he is quite sure he is right to uh, he has right to say about that uh, let's just remember that uh, statement in november 2022 when he called ukrainian officials cockroaches reminding that kiev is just a russian city and where people always thought and spoke russian so in this way he even um, didn't uh, try to understand that Ukraine has its own history. And at the end of this post, he, Medvedev hinted that everything is very clear and what should be returned and how. So in this way, we um, see that uh, he already trying to say that Russia is going to return back its land because some way Medvedev as well as Putin are quite sure that Ukraine lands definitely belongs to Russia Federation. And this is a big problem for Russian propaganda as um, there are no um, protests among the civil society. So uh, it shows how Russian propaganda is working quite good in this way because nobody wants to um, opposite these statements, I guess. We haven't seen any kind of protests from the ordinary people. Well, we did have seen uh, some of the protests, but indeed they are not massive. And, uh, uh, well, there is still an unknown situation in Russia. We cannot really understand what is going on in the society because there are no very true sociological opinion polls. Some of them are saying that there is a minority who support the war and majority is indifferent and just try to... Avoided, but let's talk into about other officials that uh, we also collected quotes from. These are the uh, Russian parliamentarians. These are the representatives of Russian Security Council. Alona, can you elaborate on that? How they are using genocidal rhetoric? Um, you know, uh, I um, in some cases, uh, it's definitely uh, one of the evidences of Russian genocide rhetoric. It's Alexei Zhuravlov, who is the deputy of the State Duma of the Federal Assembly of the Russian Federation. And as well, he's the first deputy chairman of the State Duma Defense Committee. Uh, in this um, one of... Um, mm, one uh, of the political talk show on Russian uh, one TV channel uh, during uh, live on, he said, like, uh, in total, we will get 5% of Ukrainians in simple terms, 2 million people who are now ready to do all uh, this while he was talking about uh, the demolition of monuments from the times of the USSR and who are ready to revive the SS. Because Azov is the fascist and the armed forces of Ukraine is the Wehrmacht. Well, it's obvious what is happening. And these two million people had either leave Ukraine or be denazified. That is destroyed. As you can see, this is the quote from that uh, TV show, which was broadcasted like uh, on uh, May 2022. And in this way, he is openly talk about the idea that 2 million people, like 5% of Ukrainians, need to be destroyed. Uh, but uh, if he talks about killing, they do not openly say about that. In some ways, they use this uh, new term, denazification, for Russian uh, propagandists since the full-scale invasion. And uh, they are trying to explain it, um, their 
decision, the idea to invade Ukraine as the way to denazify from somebody who seems like the threat to um, Russian Federation and the future of this country, as well as we heard today um, during the appeal of um, Putin to uh, Russians that it's... uh, um, the nazification of Ukraine is the way to save the country like uh, um, NATO is going closer to the borders and Russia as the victim has to fight with uh, uh, obvious uh, conquerors. I don't know, um, somebody who is uh, might destroy the prospectful future of Russian Federation. And this is one of the examples... Um, Okay. So let's let's repeat, let's underline this, right? So Russian politician, who is called Alexei Zhuravlev, deputy of the State Duma of the Federal Assembly, um, first deputy chairman of the State Duma Defense Committee, chairman of the political party Rodina, which means motherland, says that 5% of Ukrainians should be killed because they're Nazis, because they're fascists, because something else. Two million people had either to leave, this is a quote, either to leave Ukraine or to be denazified. That is destroyed. Well, we can translate it as be killed or, I don't know, sent to camps or whatever. Well, this is what, uh, this is what Russians have been already doing in, in the history. Uh, two million people, Mr. Uh, Mr. Zhuravlov is saying, it's quite close to those four million people killed by Soviet regime ju- during the Holodomor. The next character is Nikolai Patrushev, who is Russian Security Council secretary, and uh, he also has some of interesting statements uh, said back in November 2022. Alona? Yeah, he is also one of the representatives of such kind of aggressive statements uh, toward the uh, Ukrainians and uh, um, I think we're talking about the statement which he has he had done uh, uh, at Bransk during the meeting on security issues in Central Russia. Uh, in this way, he was trying to explain like the Russia is counteracting the neo-Nazi Kiev regime, which was revived with the support of the collective West. And Russophobia is one of uh, the favorite terms which Russian propagandists used on their. Uh, TV shows, radio shows, uh, anyway. Um, whereas probably um, they use Russophobia as fighting, um, Russophobia is fighting the genocide of the Russian-speaking population. So um, in this way, they don't have any, uh, like, um, the connection between the um, action uh, activities of Russian army on the territory of Ukraine and the decision of the whole world in some cases uh, to uh, stop Russian Federation. Like, um, no consequences of Russian aggression on Ukrainian territory, but they see only the results, Russophobia as the results, so they call this genocide towards the Russian-speaking population. And this is the way they uh, try to explain that liberation of Ukraine from neo-Nazism will initiate the return uh, to return the stability of the security uh, in the world. 
uh, I think this is a kind of the idea, like uh, they are victims who try to save the whole world, not only Ukrainians, as we heard it at the beginning of the full-scale invasion or like a little bit before this full-scale invasion. But right now they are defending the whole world from um, neo-Nazi and as well as their nation from Russophobia. Yes, very, very interesting <clears throat> and very, very characteristic. So let's move on. And there are other characters. Uh, we can call them so-called officials. They are characters who are actually represent the non-recognized statehoods in the eastern Ukraine, right? like Pavel Gubarev. Nastya, oh, what does he say? He, oh, he is actually one of those people who started all this in 2014, who started this, who helped the Russian invasion on the ground. Yes, this character is one of the um, of the founder fathers of so-called DPR. He currently he is not in the, that so-called republic politics. He keeps his uh, activism, political activism. He owns local medias. He is a mercenary in the uh, armed formations, armed units of uh, those so-called republics. So, uh, but he keeps his propaganda, prop, propagandist activities, and he says very uh, disgusting things about Ukrainians. He keeps doing that, and what is important here that his opinion is heard by the supporters of uh, so-called DPR, even LNR, uh, by those people who those people who live there and support uh, support uh, these republics. They listen to him. They hate him. He is quite popular person there. And his rhetoric, since they are so-called officials, they have now their hands free, more free than other Russian officials. So they can say such awful things as uh, uh, like telling that Ukrainians are possessed by a demon. And uh, he directly told that they are not going to kill Ukrainians, but to make change the Ukrainians' minds. And now I will uh, give you a quote. But if you don't want your minds to be changed, we are going to kill you. We are going to kill as many as necessary, a million, five millions. We can exterminate everyone unless you understand you are demoniac and you must be treated. So here he already mixes uh, this crazy imperial Russian ambitions with some demoniac uh, something connected to pseudo-religion. Re religion. And he tells that Ukrainians should be exterminated. And no matter how many people they are going to kill, they are going to do it unless they reach their aims. Yes, this is uh, this, is this um, religious, I would say, religious fanaticism, which is behind Russian propaganda quite often, which we discussed and Nastya uh, actually analyzed in our previous episode of the propaganda diary, but this is a clear, clear genocidal call by a person who is behind these so-called uh, pro-Russian separatists in the eastern Ukraine. Let me repeat this quote. We are going to kill as many as necessary, a million, five millions. We can exterminate everyone unless you understand you are a demoniac and you must be treated. End of quote. The next character is Mr. Oleg Tsarev, who is a used to be a Ukrainian politician uh, who was present in Ukraine and played uh, a quite an important role in the pro-Russian political parties. Then he left Ukraine and now 
I think he's in Russia or on the occupied territories. And he also is saying that Ukraine should not exist as a state. Nastya, can you elaborate? Uh, yes, this uh, this character we can call him a character because he acts he acts a certain role in this Russian play. Um, so he keeps insisting that Ukraine uh, does not exist. And what is important here as well, like um, he is presented as a former Ukrainian politician. So that um, in Russian minds there is this image that not all the Ukrainians are spoiled. There are these so-called correct Ukrainians who have the so-called correct uh, views of this life and of this situation. So he kept saying that Ukraine as a state should not exist. And there are Russian lands. And Russian lands should belong to uh, Russia. And there are no such people as Ukrainian people. And he sa says literally mm, this. This is our primordially Russian land. These are our people. And if now they are sick with nation, and now they are sick with nationalism, but these are our people. It's a 100% denial of existence of the whole nation. Yeah, so if Ukrainians proclaim themselves as non-Russians, Ukrainians, they are sick people. And the only sound, healthy Ukrainians are those Ukrainians who do not, to, who do not want to be Ukrainians, but want to be Russians. That's a nice logic. And maybe the, the last character for today is Mr. Alexander Borodai, who actually also Russian citizen and played a big role in, uh, in this construction of this pro-Russian statehoods, pro-Russian republics. And uh, he's now State Duma deputy, deputy member of U Russian parliament, chairman of the board of the Union for Donbass Volunteers. And he was saying interesting things back in March, Alona. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks for uh, reminding the Borodai, Alexander Borodai, because he is um, those who, uh, as well as others, represent the idea that Ukraine as a state need to, to disappear because uh, there was a long um, discussion, there was an official discussion of so-called Russian experts where they were discussing what will happen if NATO tries to close the sky over Ukraine as well as uh, can we call Ukrainian and Russian as one uh, nation. And this what he said, like, Ukraine... Um, as the state need to dis need to disappear because uh, Ukrainians, I think this is the only way to show that Ukraine is quite a powerful state, which for Russians seems to be quite aggressive. But I don't think uh, that this is uh, the way Russia tried to discredit Ukraine on the international area. Since uh, the idea that Ukraine is the state is the the state that need to disappear is more focused on the uh, Russians, uh, just to explain the reasons of so-called special military operation. And as we already discussed, like the previous one, all the politicians focus on the idea that it's necessary to um, to show Ukraine as the state, as the part of Russia, in case if we are not agree, we need to be fully destroyed. Yeah. Uh, so one of these elements of this of this propaganda, государство uh, Ukraine does not исчезнуть. Alexander Borodai, the state of Ukraine, needs to has to disappear. So this was the cases that we discussed from per, uh, from characters who we can call politicians, 
This is the first series in this our analysis of the genocidal propaganda. In the next series, we will talk about public opinion leaders, journalists, experts, analysts in Russia who put forward the same message. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraine.world.org. Ukraineworld.org is a website in English about Ukraine. Uh, my guests were Alona Hryshko and Anastasia Harrisonchuk, analyst and journalist at Ukraine World. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine. My name is Vladimir Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of Ukraine World. You can support us on patreon.com slash Ukraine World. Uh, stay with us and stay with Ukraine.